0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from my new office, no doubt, no less. The phone number to be on the program, 877-973-7425. You can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get the show notes, the podcast, the live stream, all that. Um, Follow me everywhere. I am ubiquitous online. I mentioned this story a little bit the other day, but it, I, I really let me let me make sure. Click the link, pull this up. I am a professional, but sometimes I get distracted. You are undoubtedly aware. I, I, I dare say it, it would be you would be hard pressed not to know that uh, in 2016 there were Russian bots. Now let's let's. Talk about what a Russian bot is. There were accounts. Um th- there were um there there were Twitter accounts that were run by Russians. Oftentimes they were automated accounts called bots. Where if someone in the United States tweeted something related to a topic of interest for them then they would um, they would rush out information and respond to that person. I, for example, in 2016, had a regular occurrence of if I was tweeting about presidential candidates, including Donald Trump, I would be flooded with very odd accounts that had been created in 2008, 2009, had never been used, and then all of a sudden in January, February, March of 2016 sprung to life as if uh, the people were just waiting, and they would be deeply combative, they would fill up with links, they were very hostile, essentially designed to dec- uh, deter you from talking about a particular topic, in large part because uh, they allegedly, allegedly were pro-Trump. Now, what we know from the Mueller report, Mueller report, is that actually the Russians in 2016? They really weren't a, a pro-Trump, anti-Hillary campaign so much as they were trying to uh, cause dissension in the ranks. That they were pro-Hillary and pro-Trump, they were anti-Trump and anti-Hillary. They were trying to get Americans to fight each other to distract us. But it became a a, a, a contention. It became truth on the left that the Russian bots were luring people in to vote for Donald Trump and were persuading people to vote for Donald Trump in ways that really never made any sense when you stopped to think about it, that they were. I I remember uh, a a CNN reporter, uh, Drew Griffin, God rest his soul, he passed away a week or two ago. He went down to Florida, and I actually, I, I, I knew him. He was a very nice guy, and I really strongly, vehemently disagreed with him on this. He went to Florida uh, found a grandmother in her front yard and asked her uh, why she had uh posted about an anti hillary Trump rally didn't she know it was Russian disinformation on Facebook and she had no idea she just saw somebody else posted and so she posted it and, and there they were showing up at the grandmother's front yard to harass her and I just thought that was bad form she uh, she had no idea she was dealing with Russians or that her friends were it was, it was just bad form to go after her well, now the, the New York University has done this study. Let, let me just just read you part of this. came out uh, earlier this month. Russian Twitter campaigns during the 2016 presidential race primarily reached a small subset of users, most of whom were highly partisan Republicans shows a new study by NYU Center for Social Media and Politics. In addition, the international research team found that despite Russia's influence operation on the platform, there were no measurable changes in attitudes, polarization, or voting behavior among those exposed to this foreign influence campaign. Previous research and government investigations have concluded that Russian interference in the 2016 US election was designed to influence the voting behavior of Americans in favor of GOP nominee Donald Trump either by shifting support toward Trump himself or by encouraging disaffected liberals, often Bernie Sanders supporters, to vote for a third-party candidate or to abstain from voting altogether. What NYU found is that though they had these aims of encouraging people to vote for Bernie Sanders or increasing the favorability of Donald Trump, or by targeting Hillary Clinton, they were not effective. This is important because this is a nonpartisan study from a liberal institution that says so much of what the media told us about the bots wasn't actually so. So much of what the media told us about the bots just simply wasn't true. So much of what the media told us the bots were doing turns out to be, again, mythology from the left. They concocted a reason to explain why Hillary Clinton lost the election that could take Hillary Clinton's blame out of the picture and make it all about something else. They needed to not blame Hillary Clinton for her loss, so they blamed Russia bots, and the data suggests this is not true. What's so notable, though, is how they have held on to the mythology Lawrence Tribe, the law professor, the other day blaming uh, somebody for being persuaded by Russia bots or some such. They continue to blame Russia for Donald Trump. They can't give Donald Trump credit. For 2016, they have to blame Russia. They have to suggest he was a Russian agent. They have to suggest the Russians stole the election. They've even moved on from James Comey. They they can't say James Comey's letter did it. James Comey steered the election. They've moved past that. It is all about Russia all the time. It's all Russia, Russia, Russia. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And so you will note, news networks, that peddled in the claims of Russian disinformation, that peddled in claims of the Russia bots. They're not really covering a lot of this new research. They're not really highlighting it. Potential exposure to Russian coordinated influence accounts by the Internet Research Agency, an organization closely linked to the Russian government, was heavily concentrated. Only 1% of users in the study accounted for 70% of exposures. In addition, those who identified as strong Republicans were exposed to roughly nine times as many posts from Russian foreign influence accounts than those who identified as Democrat or Independent. The study which included researchers from the University of Copenhagen, Trinity College, Dublin, and Technical University of Munich, and examined social media user behavior and attitudes in April and October of 2016, concluded that there was no relationship between exposure to the Russian foreign influence campaign and changes in attitudes, polarization, or voting behavior. Despite these results, the researchers cautioned that Russia attempts to alter the outcome of the election may have had other effects. It would be a mistake to conclude that simply because the Russian foreign influence campaign on Twitter was not meaningfully related to individual level attitudes that other aspects of the campaign did not have an impact on the election or on faith in American electoral integrity. That last part is key. How many people distrust the election now? That's one of the, the, the ones you, you can't overcome here. That, that's one of the ones you, you, you can't miss here. How many people Now, distrust the election process. A great many, a great many on the left who still maintain the mythology of Donald Trump having been a Russian agent, having had the election stolen. All of these things, all, all of this comes from what the Russians did. And so they've missed the main part here. They, they missed the, the kernel of truth and the lie. And the kernel of truth is that the Russians wanted to sow distrust in the election. And they were able to sow distrust in the election with the Democrats. The Democrats are the ones who distrust the government. Now, the Democrats are the ones who distrust the election. The Democrats are the ones who maintain the idea... The Russians are to blame. Donald Trump wasn't capable of winning the election. It had to be the Russians. That's the purpose of what the Russians did. In other words, it's not the Republicans who were persuaded by the Russian bots. This is the nugget that everybody misses when they cover this. It wasn't the Republicans who were persuaded by the Russia bots. It was the Democrats who were persuaded by the Russia bots. It was the Democrats who were persuaded the election was stolen from them by the Russians. It was the Democrats who were persuaded that our electoral system is flawed. It was the Democrats who were persuaded that Donald Trump was illegitimate. It was the Democrats who then operated on that belief to further destabilize the nation. The protests in the streets, the never giving Donald Trump legitimacy, the beginning of the end coverage that the media so willfully subjected us to for so long. It's always the beginning of the end of the Trump administration because the Russians put him up to it. In other words, the the Russia bots were quite successful in undermining people's integrity in American elections, but it was the Democrats who had their integrity undermined and their, their faith in the elections undermined. And that is what the Russians actually wanted. They didn't want Donald Trump to win per se. They wanted Americans to turn inward, fight each other and distrust the system. And they were highly successful in that regard. So much of the media doesn't want to cover this. Because to cover it, it is really hard to escape the conclusion that it worked. The Russian disinformation campaign worked. But it worked in a way not the way the media wanted us to believe. It worked by causing Democrats to distrust the process. It worked by causing Democrats to undermine Democracy. It works to cause Democrats to go out of their mind, crazy in protest, burning down cities across America, blaming Donald Trump, blaming the Russians for everything. It allowed the Russians to set the Democrats up as boys who cry wolf. So when the Russians did do things, people wouldn't believe them anymore because it allowed the Russians to get the Democrats to blame the Russians for everything. The sky is falling, must be the Russians. It's raining today, it must be the Russians. Donald Trump got elected today, it must be the Russians. George Santos got elected, it must be the Russians. When everything can be blamed on the Russians, nothing is the Russians' fault. And so when they do do something, no one's going to believe that it was actually them. The Democrats played into their hand. I mean, just think about the claims now, what we know from from NYU study. What the Russians did is they targeted Republicans with increasingly partisan Republican propaganda. So you're targeting people who are already Republicans and already voting Trump with tro- pro-Trump propaganda. How is that going to persuade them other than it's just going to further embolden them? Is the Democratic complaint that, well, I mean, we couldn't give these people the truth about Donald Trump because the Russians? No, that's not it at all. They were going to vote for Donald Trump. They, the Yellow Dog Repo- There's such a thing as a Yellow Dog Democrat. There's such a thing as a Yellow Dog Republican. They're going to vote Republican no matter what. The people the Russians targeted were going to vote Republican no matter what. And so what actually happened is that the Russians were able to persuade the Democrats to embrace a mythology that the Russians stole the election. They don't have to blame Hillary Clinton for a crappy campaign. It was all the Russians' fault, and everything that came out of Trump's uh, campaign and presidency was all about the Russians. It encouraged the Democrats to go off the cliff in an impeachment of Donald Trump and the Russians. And now at this point, when anybody blames the Russians for anything, these are boys who cried wolf and nobody believes them. It worked flawlessly. Problem is the media told us it was going to work a particular way, and it actually worked a completely different way, but it still worked. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric. E-R-I-C-K. Bull and Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Eric. E-R-I-C-K at Bull bolandbranch.com That's bolandbranch B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. The promo code, Eric. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877 7425 Should you wish to be on the program, I would be happy to have you. So I am in the office now, and I've been coming down and slowly setting things up and, and uh, I was was down here over the weekend, setting things up, and happened to look at my email. We we got internet in the office. It's been the holdup of moving in. Well, I, I interestingly enough, I got a I got an email from a now former listener. I have. If any of you has a friend, if any of you has a friend, yeah, I've, I've got room for a new listener. This rarely happens, but I lost a listener over the weekend. And as a result, I have an opening for a new listener. If you want to listen to the program, if you have a friend who wants to listen to the program, we now have the bandwidth for one more listener because we've lost this lady. What's so interesting is I put this up on Instagram uh, and people assumed it was a man. No, no, this is a woman. Until the other day, I had switched permanently to your show from Mark Levin because he became an Israel worshiper. When you have a father who was killed on the USS Liberty in 1967 when it was deliberately attacked by Israel to prompt Johnson to accidentally attack Egypt during the conflict, you don't get a pass from me to be a shill for them or their EU experimental colony, Ukraine. Shall we digest? In 1967, during the Seven-Day War, an American ship, the USS Liberty, was in international water. Israel thought it was an Egyptian ship, and they attacked it. They realized too late it was an American ship. Uh, Anti-Semites claim to this day that it was a conspiracy. There's no uh, there's no proof. There was a U.S. Uh, investigation. There was an Israeli investigation. There was an outside investigation. The Israelis wound up giving the U.S. millions of dollars in compensation um, for those on it. But the anti-Semites to this day claim it was intentional to try to get us to attack Israel. Big red flag number one. Big red flag number two is the second paragraph. Ukraine is the only country outside of Israel that has a Jewish president and Jewish prime minister. That tells you all you need to know. Uh, (laughs) Really? What exactly is it supposed to tell me? Um, You know what? Pennsylvania has a Jewish governor. I bet Hershey's in this cabal too. You announced the other day that you are a 100% supporter of the corrupt Ukraine man inserted there after the violent 2014 coup that put him in. Uh, He was duly elected president of Ukraine several years after that. He was not installed. I mean, this is crazy town anti-Semitic woman who can't listen to my show because I don't hate the Jews. Okay, I, I'm I'm perfectly happy for you to not listen, crazy anti-Semite lady. It opens up room for one more person, and we should all be reminded there is Crazy Town. And why is it that so much of Crazy Town hates Jews? Why is that exactly? I don't know, but they do, and they're nuts. Howdy. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is... Is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Friends, are you ready to have your blood pressure go up? I, I this story, I I was actually I shouldn't be shocked. I should not be. You should not be shocked. You shouldn't be. But uh, here we are. The decision by prosecutors to prosecute domestic terrorism charges against opponents of a police training center outside Atlanta is drawing criticism, with some legal experts saying it's a potentially dangerous overreach that could be viewed as politically motivated. More than a dozen people have been charged with domestic terrorism in connection with the protests, including seven people after a January 18th confrontation with police who were trying to clear the proposed site of the center, dubbed Cop City by critics. One man was fatally shot by police in the confrontation after he opened fire and wounded a state trooper, authorities said. In protests that followed the killing of the police sweeps, six people were arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. You got that? They're upset that they're charging these Antifa goons with domestic terrorism. Listen to this. Critics of domestic terrorism laws, including some civil rights groups, oppose them because of the risk of politicization, because they can be used against politically disfavored groups by the government. They weren't upset when domestic terrorism charges were applied against people on the right, were they? No, the heck they were not. They were not upset about that. They weren't upset when anybody on the right was charged with domestic terrorism. But they shot and nearly killed a police officer who's been in ICU for a couple of weeks. And now suddenly it's a problem. Now suddenly... This is, this is a big issue. Now, suddenly, we have to worry about this. Now, suddenly, domestic terrorism is a bridge too far. Let, let me just say, and again, uh, many of you who have listened to this program across the nation, you, you've heard me talk ad nauseum about this. But I, I got to, for those of you who might be new, I got to do a little bit of a reset here and explain this to you. In Atlanta, Georgia, they're building a police training facility. The Antifa types have decided uh, they they want to defund the police. It's bad for the non-white community. These are all a bunch of rich white kids from outside of Georgia have come into Georgia claiming to be there for the downtrodden, for, for the black community. And they're trying to stop mostly black men from building a police training facility so the police are better trained in Atlanta, Georgia, and don't wind up like those five who killed Tyree Nichols. They want better training and they're trying to stop it so they have camped out in this this wooded area it used to be a police farm they've declared it it is actually a park now when you hear someone say it's a park it's never been a park it was a police it was a it was a prison farm it was not a park but now they're calling it by an old indian name saying the the native people believe it was a land and we have to preserve the land and the trees that have been clear cut several times They have harassed churches. They have stormed into Sunday congregational uh, worship services. They have harassed families. They have targeted the wives and children of the contractors for harassment. They have vandalized private homes of the people working on the project. They have firebombed the corporate headquarters in multiple states of the contractor. They firebombed a youth facility. They shot a police officer. They firebombed the police foundation in Atlanta. They burn police cars, and now you have liberal professors who did not say jack about the January 6th protesters and possible overreach. There, They're like, oh, I think it's gone too far. We're, we're charging a bunch of people who shot cops as domestic terrorism. That's not domestic terrorism. We're, we're charging people who firebombed a youth facility with domestic terrorism. That's crazy talk. That's what these people are doing. That is their position, that this is not domestic terrorism. This, of course, you will not be surprised to learn in B.C. News coverage. A 2017 Georgia law defines domestic terrorism as a felony intended to kill or harm people, disable or destroy critical infrastructure, a state or government facility, or a public transportation system, intimidate the civil population or any of the political subdivisions, And change or coerce state policy or affect the conduct of government by use of destructive devices, assassination or kidnapping. Conviction carries a maximum sentence of 35 years in prison. The allegations against the protesters include trespassing, resisting arrest, throwing rocks and glass bottles, and damaging property, setting fire to a police car. Authorities have said they found explosive devices, gasoline, and road flares in an area in the forest where protesters have makeshift tree houses. Let me tell you what they have found. What they have found are improvised explosive devices tied around trees. See, the police would like to go in and just clear cut and get these kids out of there. But these kids, kids, I use the term loosely, have put improvised explosive devices around these trees. So if they try to cut the tree, it explodes and sends nails and razor blades and glass shards in all directions to maim and kill the people cutting down the trees. Is that not terrorism? It's what they do in freaking Iraq, and we call those people terrorists. Are these not terrorists? This, this is where we are here. We, we have this double standard here where they, they say that this is not domestic terrorism, that we're, we're being too harsh on these 20-something white kids from New England who've come to Georgia because it's just petty crime. They're trying to kill people. They tried to kill a police officer, and you're telling me that is not a crime? That's not terrorism? Y'all. Again, these are double standards in how these people operate in the media. These are double standards in how these law professors operate. They're perfectly fine calling these January 6th people insurrectionists and terrorists because they stormed into the U.S. Capitol. They did not, contrary to the stories, they did not kill any police officers. Yes, police officers died under the stress of that day. Some of them were beaten up. We have that, and they died thereafter. And you can indirectly attribute the death to them, but not all of them, not all of them, not all of them. Here, they shot a police officer, and the police fired back and killed one one of the terrorists and we're not allowed to call that kid a terrorist he's an activist he's a protester the entirety of the media has embraced the story that they're just activists they're just protesters no they tried to kill a police officer they have firebombed youth facilities they have invaded churches they have invaded businesses they have vandalized homes they have harassed people In multiple states, they've done this in a coordinated activity. And then they say, well, they're not really coordinated people. They just each kind of do their own thing, but they're working at a common purpose. Well, then use RICO on them. It's the whole purpose of RICO. Individual crimes from individual people that actually have a a nexus of thought, which is to stop and obstruct this, they should go after these people in every way possible. This This is just... I, I'm, I'm sorry, but for the media to give these kids a pass and say they're not terrorists, the governor of the state of Georgia, by the way, calls the militant activists, militant activists, more than just activists. This is uh, just, just. I mean, at least he's calling him a militant activist. The, the media, by the way, they're upset at the governor of Georgia for calling them militant activists. They, they, he can't win. He's not calling them terrorists like I am. He's called them militant activists. They're like, That's a bridge too far. They're not military. You can't call them militant. They're a white kid in dreadlocks, governor. They're just an activist. They smell. So they smell. They have dreadlocks. They haven't bathed in weeks. They're from up north, and they're white kids. Do we call them like Yankee Klan? I mean, what, what do we do? Oh, you, you can't call the domestic terrorists there either. No, I mean th- this. This makes no sense. And yet, this is where we are with the media now trying to excuse these kids. The media trying to claim a double standard here again. The media trying to say that because they're not storming into the Capitol, they're fine. Except, except if you will recall, in Wisconsin and in Texas several years ago, these left-wing protesters did storm those capitals, and they were not called domestic terrorists then either. They were also called protesters and activists in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin state legislature was advancing right-to-work legislation against unions, and college activists, a bunch of white kids, stormed to try to take over the state legislature they stormed into the building they smashed windows to get into the building they broke through doors to get into the building nancy pelosi cheered them on and said democracy must be listened to they allowed them to get in there and they called them activists they called them protesters they did not call them terrorists in Texas, when they were passing pro-life legislation, the media heralded Nancy or Wendy Davis, and these protesters stormed into the state capitol, stormed into the General Assembly building, tried to take it over, tried to stop the vote from happening. They blocked streets. Some of them hurled Molotov cocktails. They were not called terrorists then either. Why is it when left-wing protesters storm a state capitol or shoot police, they're not called terrorists? But grandmothers walk into the U.S. Capitol behind the, the, the Proud Boy people and the grandmothers are terrorists. By the way, I concede the, the insurrectionist people who stormed into the Capitol and tried to break through to grab the members of Congress and wanted to hang Mike Pence, they're terrorists. They're bad. They they were insurrectionary. Not all the people there were, however, a lot of them, they wandered in. They were used to being able to go into the U.S. Capitol whenever they wanted. When I was a kid, you could roam around the Capitol whenever you wanted, go wherever you wanted, as long as you didn't go to the floor. A lot of good people got wrapped up on January 6th, and the media tarred and feathered those people as terrorists who had no intent to cause terror acts. These people shot police, and the media's outrage were calling them terrorists. When they stormed the Wisconsin and and Texas legislatures, you weren't allowed to call them terrorists then either. It's a gross double standard. But not only that, they were actually violent too. And if you're going to give them a pass, you're going to build precedents you're going to regret. And if anything, January 6th was a precedent built on the storming of state legislative capital buildings by the left, where the media and the Democrats cheered them on. And they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to be held accountable for that double standard. Now, it's time to clear the air with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I kind of wish I had one in this office. I may need to bring one up. But right now, they got a BOGO going on. You can buy one, get one free. All you have to do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and put Eric in as your promo code. E-R-I-C-K, my name. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Put Eric in on the front page. You'll see a discount code box. Put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You buy one, get one free. That's the BOGO. Buy one, get one. So you go to EdenPureDeals.com, you put Eric in, you'll see the BOGO offer. Buy one Eden Pure Thunderstorm, get a second one for free. What is the Eden Pure Thunderstorm? It's an air purifier. But more than that, it actually cleans the air. It actually gets rid of the noxious noxious odors, so it gets rid of litter box odors. It gets rid of general pet odors. It gets rid of the frying odors. It gets rid of the... Um, smoke odors, musty odors, it just wipes them out. You got a smoky car, fire up the eating pure thunderstorm, it gets rid of the smell. You got a musty hotel room, fired up, gets rid of the smell. You, like I did last night, I made Natchitoches meat pies. I'll send that recipe out to you guys. I think I already have actually, but the house smelled like fry oil, peanut oil, we used to fry them in, fire up the Eden pure thunderstorm, it wipes out the odors. It doesn't mask them, it wipes them out. And you can get three of, or two of them. i buy one and you get one for free. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code is Eric Bogo. E-R-I-C-K is the discount code. I'm sorry, it's it's E-R-I-C-K is the discount code. And then at checkout, you get the buy one, get one free. Um, Eric, let's see. You know what? I'm going to do this just to make sure because I want to make sure I give you the right discount code. So you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in... Let's see, look at that, savings directly in the cart. How about them, Apple? That's fantastic. So, yes, EdenPureDeals.com. Put in Eric as your discount code and get, buy one, you get one free. EdenPureDeals.com. By the way, it is this week only, this week only to take advantage of this. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. First Liberty wants to help your business become a big business. If you're buying a building, building a building, growing a franchise, buying a franchise, buying out the competitors, reach out to First Liberty. $750,000 deals or more, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. So, Gallup has some interesting data. Listen to this. More Americans name the government. As the nation's top problem in Gallup's latest poll, which encompassed the rocky start of the 118th congressional term, with high prices persisting, inflation remains the second most cited problem, and amid elevated tensions about the southern U.S. border, illegal immigration edged up 3% to 11% total, mentions as the economy fell 6 points to 10%, the lowest reading in a year. So Democrats and Republicans both believe the government is the problem. 18% of Democrats, Democratic-leaning independents. 24% of Republicans, Republican-leaning independents. Number two is inflation at 18% for Republicans, 11% for Democrats. The economy in general amounts to 11% for Republicans, 9% for Democrats, tied with race relations for Democrats. Uh, Inflation and immigration are tied for the second spot for the GOP. But what's notable here is both Republicans and Democrats believe the government is a problem. The difference between the two is that uh, Republicans believe the government is a problem because it is doing too much. Democrats believe the government's a problem because it's doing too little. I really do think that we've got to get back to this idea of the government that does the least is the best government at the national level. Uh, The government closest to you should be empowered to do more. And the problem here as well is the reality, and and, and my gosh, this makes some of you really angry when I say it, and I continue to stand by it. There are times, and this is why, the, the people who get really mad at this are very binary. It's one or the other, they can't nuance. I have to say that going into this. I am going to say it is is just a truthful statement even though it makes people angry and they disagree that the washington dc government the federal government actually affects your life far less on a daily basis than your state government which affects you far less on a daily basis than your local government that's not to say the federal government can't do something that disrupts your life obamacare is a great example but those are few and far between. Your local government on a daily basis that picks up your trash and educates your kids and patrols your streets and paves your streets, all that affects you on a daily basis so much more. And the left in this country wants the federal government to be the government that does all of those things. The right looks at the federal government and says, you're doing too much. And in fact, I think it's true that the government in Washington is too inefficient is too burdened by waste, fraud, and abuse, and should do less. And I really do think we as a people, particularly we on the right, should do a much better job of making sure people on the left know if, if you in California want to do this thing, go do it. Just don't make the rest of us pay for it. And I think we'd be better off as a nation letting California be California and letting Texas be Texas, and the federal government doing those things that there are others – the states can't do themselves efficiently. Like, I don't know, I I can think of this thing called Article 1, Section 8. Maybe if they just did that. Maybe if they just did that and they stopped doing all the other stuff they're doing outside the bounds of it, hiding behind the necessary and proper clause from Article 1, Section 8, the nation would be much better off. Now, speaking of, I I, I want to... talk about a, a, a an issue of some new data from YouGov. And I, I find it to be indicative of a larger problem. And it gets back to this Gallup data as well. Did you know, according to a YouGov survey, Democrats in this country like Wiccans, atheists, and atheists than they do any Christian denomination? They really don't like Jews either. There's some real data, and it highlights a national crack-up that's coming.